Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome. We're coming to you from that undisclosed location again today. Great to have you with us. And there is good news. The social media giant Meta, owned Facebook and Instagram, decided to reinstate President Trump. The president of the United States denied his social media accounts for two years. Mark Zuckerberg banned President Trump to keep him off social media along with Twitter and shocked the nation in doing so. Now, President Trump can once again entertain and inform the nation on social media. Elon Musk restoring the president's Twitter account two months ago. It's still unclear when and whether he will return to Twitter given his relationship with his own social media platform, Truth Social. It's good to have him back, no matter what. History won't be kind to Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg, titans of tech, but authoritarian tools of big tech and the left. Today, we take up this new Congress and how much work they have to do to help free the country of the left-wing madness of the Biden regime And they have to figure out how to roll back the regime's policies that have brought in five to six million illegal immigrants, a wide open border that no longer is defended and which is effectively in the control of the Mexican drug cartels, thanks to President Biden. And of course, the incredible Biden document dump. If you're counting, there are now five stashes of highly classified papers and the possibility of a dangerous breach of national security. There have been so many of these top-secret papers spread around that there's no question that Biden is in trouble, considerable trouble. And he had no authority to do any of this. There is no reasonable explanation why he had these documents in his home, his garage, or his Chinese communist-funded think tank, that think tank called the Penn Biden Center top-secret documents that his personal attorneys liberated from a closet at that center. Again, how did he take those documents out? They were, after all, top-secret and not his. Why did he have the documents there? The circumstances separate Biden from the Trump document case in lots of ways. But first of all, because the documents belong to the president, not the archivist, not the DOJ, or FBI, or Barack Obama, though the FBI did act as if they did own those documents when they motored into Mar-a-Lago. And you've probably noticed the Department of Justice went radio silent on those documents within just a few days. They knew they were in trouble and big trouble. Joining us now from the Center for Renewing America is Jeff Clark, attorney, former top Justice Department official, and Jeff Great to have you back with us. Good to see you. Let's start with good old Joe and his, it seems, never-ending fondness for lifting top-secret documents that don't belong to him and putting them in places he shouldn't. What do you make of it all? 
Well, Lou, uh, Happy New Year. It's great to be here. And uh, I guess I'll just start with you referencing the think tank. I think the real name for the think tank should be uh, the uh, Penn Biden China funded think tank uh, or the Penn uh, Biden China funded uh, launch pad for Biden appointees, because that's also what it seems like it, it was. So many of the people in his administration in the foreign policy uh, sort of area, you know, seem to have some affiliation, including Blinken, with this Penn Biden Center. Yeah, the Penn Biden Center taking large, and I when I say large, we're talking $50 million. I mean, I haven't heard of many donations like that to a think tank, especially one as uh, little known and uh, perhaps underappreciated as the Penn Biden uh, uh, think tank or center, more appropriately. I don't even understand how this could go on because it is it looks like a payoff of some sort just on its face and then to find out it was going on for years has been going on for years right i mean i'd like to see legislation lou out uh lying uh our universities uh from taking money from the chinese i mean you know about these confucius institutes which you know at least there's been some pushback against that but you know if if you're uh a former vice president who's uh, angling to be president, it seems like you get uh, treated in a different way. And, it, you know, it is facially questionable, right? I mean, you know, what Ivy League school wants to hire Biden to be a professor? I mean, the, the guy at this point, obviously, and I think has been for a while, um, you know, is senile, as unfortunate as that is, all else being equal. Uh, but, um, you know, you just hiring somebody like that as a professor is just gobsmacking. It truly is. And there is a, a little known university up in Cambridge that apparently took uh, some $75 million. I saw that in one account. Uh, and it's it's across the country. It's public universities. It's private. They're buying their way into academia in this country. Uh, at the same time, running intelligence uh espionage, if you will, uh, operations. It, it is they, the Chinese, and there's such little pushback, as you say, the Confucius Institute. We were told there are about 100 of them. Well, the, from that first estimate, the number rose. Not only were there in our colleges and universities, but these institutes were in some high schools as well. And there was a reaction, and two or three were shut down. I haven't heard a peep about any other Confucius Center being uh, shut down, even though they were clearly the basis uh, for uh, taking uh, intellectual capital, uh, for learning as much as they could about uh, our uh, trade secrets, whether it's technology or weaponry. Uh, it, it was across, it has been across the country in various forms, whether it's Confucius Institutes or whether it is front companies uh, stealing technology by uh, not the fistful, but by hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Absolutely, Lou. I mean, the the the, the tech areas of our economy, engineering and uh, the hard sciences, have really been infiltrated by the Chinese, and then they they take that know-how and intellectual property back to China, ripping us off. Uh, but then ideologically with these Confucius Institutes, right, they're brainwashing students all in the name of kind of, you know, international harmony, even though 
the Chinese and the, the Chinese Communist Party are our major enemy and clearly are plotting for our destruction. And it doesn't, it's not that hard to find papers from their thinkers saying that's exactly what their aim is. They're just sapping, you know, digging out uh, the foundations of America from underneath of it. There really should be uh, legislation adopted quickly that would ban this kind of money inflow. And especially, you know, you referred to, to Harvard obliquely, right? And we have Penn um, and, you know, Columbia has long been uh, a bastion of the left, but really, really all of them. I mean, the Ivy League universities, especially Harvard and Yale, uh, and then, you know, the, the Ivy League West of Stanford, their endowments are enormous. They don't need to take this money in. It's all at some level a kind of, you know, massive greed or massive, you know, uh, uh, they create such a deep pocket that really there can be no competitor. And I, I just, I, I don't get it. It makes me ashamed uh, of my alma mater that that they engage in these kinds of things. And, and you know, my mom had been a uh, secretary at the University of Pennsylvania. And, you know, uh, I'd gotten into to UPenn as well as to Harvard and several of the other schools. She was kind of heartbroken when I decided to go to, to Harvard, especially because then I wouldn't be, uh, you know, closer to Philadelphia. But, you know, I, I think that uh, if she had lived to see this, uh, she would be very disappointed in in Penn, which she had idolized. Yeah, uh, as are lots of people across the country to think of the opportunity that our universities, our colleges provide uh, young men and women. Uh, and and to think that this is the way those institutions are behaving. And, and by the way, when you talk about that, as you very well know, uh, as an alum, Harvard has so much money, and it's uh, it, it is the richest, wealthiest endowment uh, in the world. And for them to be, I, I don't know if influence is the quite the correct word, but to to be taking that money with the obvious implications uh, that there is a trade uh, a quid pro quo of some sort, otherwise it doesn't happen. Uh, it, it's really difficult because it's something that we've got to contend with across this society, uh, across academia. I want to I want to get to that Penn uh, uh, Biden Center again. That the repository of those highest classified documents uh, in the possession uh, of Joe Biden, locked in a closet, and a number of attorneys go in searching for something we don't know what, and we don't know why they were there. But for some reason, they were looking for these documents, uh, at least in part, but they didn't have the classification uh, clearances, uh, the security clearance, to be looking at them. With, so that's really quite curious. Uh, if it were a one-off, I'd say, well, that was that was legit, as the saying goes. But then they also show up at his uh, residence in Wilmington, again, the same attorneys uh, purportedly, but didn't have, again, security clearances. So they found the documents and then made a phone call. This all sounds highly suspicious to me. Uh, your thoughts, Jeff? So, uh, Lou, I, you know, I think that raises a very important set of questions. So I, I had speculated something early on, but then I've since then I've been seeing uh, counter speculation. So let me share both speculations with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as new information comes out and as time goes on, I think we'll get closer to one or the other, or maybe it's even something nefarious that, uh, you know, no one is imagining. So what I was thinking was, look, it seems very strange 
that this information is located just before uh, midterm elections and is leaked to the press on January 9th, so soon uh, you know, after uh, Congress has changed hands and so soon after the new anti-weaponization of government subcommittee is created in the Judiciary Committee after the, the House votes in Speaker McCarthy as part of a, of a larger deal. And so I was wondering whether this is something they've known about for some time, right? I, I think that, that the Democrats are almost always guilty of exactly what they try to hurl onto Republicans. And oftentimes they hurl it onto Republicans shortly before it comes out what they were doing. So I wonder, I have been wondering whether they've known about this for a while. And so they launched in August the outrageous raid on Mar-a-Lago as a way to basically cancel it out. Like, so they get a, a whole period in the election in the midterm elections where they can say, you know, Trump was uh, hoarding classified documents. They get whatever bang that gives them for the election. Then if it turns out that that the House or, you know, uh, both houses of the Congress flip and they're going to be investigated, then they come out with, you know, the, the Biden stuff. And then, you know, the respective two special counsels, Jack Smith for Trump and Robert Herr for Biden, you know, just basically come to a conclusion of, you know, it's not something we're going to prosecute. And then they pretend that everything's even handed. So that was my early speculation. We'll see, you know, uh, whether information comes out that they did know about this before November 2nd. The other speculation that I've seen, which, you know, I just saw a data point this afternoon about, which was a, a Time Magazine article by Mona Charon, who, you know, really has kind of become one of these folks like Bill Crystal, who, you know, has come out, uh, you know, as, as as someone who probably never really was a, a, a conservative in the first place. But, you know, the, the article is titled something like, we expected more of, of Joe Biden. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just starting to see the knives come out for him about this. And the, that speculation has been that they're trying to deep six him so he cannot run in, in 2024. And they have some kind of replacement lined up, whether it's Gavin Newsom or or what it is. And so I don't I think both of those are speculations, but I toss them out for what they're worth. Well, speculation, uh, informed and intelligent speculation uh, is uh, certainly a part of what we do here. Uh, and uh, I, I I am delighted uh, and I think the audience is delighted to hear uh, that informed and intelligent speculation. I, and I think that there's a great deal to it. Yep. And the timing, as you mentioned, the, the discovery in November, on November 2nd, uh, just uh, less, what, six days before the uh, election, well, that was peculiar timing, wasn't it? And then the, the notification to, uh, to the archives, uh, then the call to the Justice Department, and then suddenly we don't hear any more from them until the 9th of November the day after the election there's one doesn't have to speculate feel too badly about speculating about what is obvious they waited until after that election was over for this thing to gin up uh without any question i think uh, and and the and i love the reaction of the left well joe biden's a nice guy there's no big deal <laughs> this is quite different than trump trump's a bad guy so this is okay for Joe, but it's not a good thing uh, for for Donald, and uh, and so with the early reasoning, uh, it, it's uh, with all of them forgetting a couple of little minor items like 
Joe Biden at this time, those documents were taken, if not outright stolen. Uh, he was a vice president, didn't have the right to take any highly classified document home, had no right whatsoever to have them in his possession. And yet after six years for some of them, uh, there they are. Uh, president Trump, as a president, is the highest, highest authority on classification, can declassify or classify as he will. And and everyone wants to forget that. That's quite a difference and a distinction. And all of the, the, the braying uh, nonsense from the left here uh, is, is pitiful, don't you think? Well, yes, Lou. I, I think I begin with uh, looking hard at the National Archives, and I think the new Weaponization Committee or uh, Comer's Oversight Committee or both as they, you know, see fit, um, right. uh, you know, should investigate the National Archives because it seems like, you know, not too long after President Trump left office, they're crawling all over him looking for uh, for documents. Um, you know, you have stories that the archivist uh, at the time watched, you know, Trump leave. Uh, I think he was headed for, uh, you know, Marine One or something on the White House lawn. And he's got like a white banker's box uh, of documents. And, you know, the 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 story is that the archivist looks at that and he's he says to himself, I wonder what the hell's inside that box. Well, I'm going to find out. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, I kind of like spite. So, so they're all over Trump, but by contrast, you know, the, the Biden VP documents are taken six years ago and magically no one at the archives seems to have uh, known uh, any of the better. You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't look into it. They didn't try to, you know, rectify whatever their lists were with what documents were actually turned over. And it's a complete double standard. Why is the, the NARA, the National Archives, why are they... Uh, behaving like that. And it seems like it's because, you know, the, the guy running the archives, uh, you know, is partisan. And he also specifically said he didn't want to leave office when Trump was there because he wanted to make sure that a Democrat would put in the replacement. So uh, it's just it's it smells uh, uh, to the high heavens, Lou. And it, and uh, it's something I hope the the new house will penetrate into deeply. I, and I'm really very uh, hopeful that this, this, these two committees, well, it's actually expanding rather quickly, isn't it? The Church Committee, the Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee, uh, these are committees that are run by first-class individuals who have a purpose and a, a, an approach that I really think will pay dividends. I, I, I just have very high expectations. And as, uh, as, as, uh, as one of some experience, I know better than get high hopes, but this 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 feels entirely different because of the quality of the people who are spearheading the effort. Your thoughts on that? I agree. Uh, you know, here at the Center for Renewing America, where I'm a senior fellow and the director of litigation, we had been calling for a church-style committee uh, for a long time. In fact, um, you know, I was on uh, Tucker's program, but it was uh, guest hosted by Will Kane um, very shortly after that raid. And, you know, I called for the church style committee there. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, and uh, Russ Vogt, you know, our, our founder uh, and head had been doing the same thing. And so, you know, has been working uh, closely with, uh, with the house members to try to, uh, to get that done. So 
you know, we, we're very uh, pleased to see that subcommittee be created. Um, and, you know, we want to see uh, what they can expose. And we think, look, that, that, you know, the Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee, and the subcommittee in Judiciary on the Weaponization of Government, which is the Church-style committee, these are all going to be run in fair and above-board ways, not like the January 6th committee where, you know, Banks and Jordan were not allowed to be on the committee at the, uh, you know, directive of Nancy Pelosi. You know, they're going to be Democrats on those that, that subcommittee. That keeps everybody honest. And, you know, we can see uh, whether, you know, they can push back against the kinds of inquiries that the majority wants to run. But I'm confident uh, that, uh, that Jim Jordan, for instance, is he's able to, uh, to question and debate his way through a lot of fog. Um, what, ha so what, happen high hopes. What, what happens if uh, Hakeem uh, Jeffries uh, appoints uh, Adam Schiff and uh, Eric Swalwell? I, I, I mean, there has to be some there has to be some sort of uh, of test here uh, for whoever they put on the on that committee. Well, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, the the Kevin McCarthy, et cetera, if they push back, if there are. Uh, you know, folks like that who are who are proposed. But I think even if there are folks like that who are proposed, you know, I, I, I kind of welcome the scrum. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that that Adam Schiff in particular, well, I just said both of them, right? Let's do Adam Schiff and then Swalwell. So first Adam Schiff, right? Th this guy lied so much about Russiagate that it's not even funny. And he used his sort of, you know, Schiff dungeon in the basement of the Capitol to, you know, take uh, classified testimony and then come out and purport to say in rough, vague terms what he'd heard when it was all lies, uh, keeping, you know, that fire alight for a long time. And then, as you know about Swalwell, the guy's like, you know, sleeping with a, a Chinese spy who, when she's discovered, like, poof, she's gone from the country. And you know, the, the Democrats tried to weather that as if there's like nothing to see here when, you know, and we obviously had Dianne Feinstein. Obviously, she's in the Senate, not in the House. But this is another example, right? Her her driver's a longtime uh, spy. He's working for her. You know, uh, I forget the precise time period, but I think it was at least more than a decade. Uh, I think nobody it was, knew I think he was, was a spy. I mean, it's just outrageous. Yeah, I, I think it was about 20 years, as I recall, but that's only recall. Uh, and. And I admire your sportsmanship in this, but I have to tell you, the thought of listening to Eric Swalwell for five minutes and Adam Schiff lie through uh, a, a just a greeting would be, to me, too much to bear. So I hope that they, I hope that, that McCarthy and Jeffries uh, put together something of a better uh, relationship and uh, result here. Uh, let's, let's turn to also the Wilmington home where documents were discovered uh, in the garage. We find out that there are now some questions about Hunter Biden who had access to the home at least in two, uh, two years. He was, he said, paying $49,000 a month for rent, which, uh, you know, that's a terrific thing. I, I, I would welcome uh, all our, are you ready, babe? I'm, <laughs> I would welcome back all of our children at $50,000 a month to take any room they wish. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you make of it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty funny observation. Yeah, that's clearly not market rate, but it's much like, you know, uh, Hunter Biden, the new artist selling paintings for half a million dollars. Um, 
you know, this the 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 fact that these kinds of things aren't even being investigated is is uh, is mind blowing. And and look, you know, you would think actually with these documents being found, uh, you know, in the garage somewhere at the Wilmington home, and then in uh, you know like filing cabinets or something nearby inside the house, that you know the the uh, the U.S. attorney in Delaware might be the first one to be involved. Uh, but, um, you know, that seems not to be the case, I think, because they realize, right, there's only so much weight they can put on that guy because he's the guy who seems like he's been assigned to keep a lid on uh, Hunter Biden, you know, to come up with something, uh, but not too much because, you know, not not to get into foreign corruption, but to deal with, you know, smaller time uh, charges like his his tax returns. And, you know, I think that that, look, both of the uh, the uh, U.S. attorneys or former U.S. attorneys who have been tapped by uh, the attorney general currently to look at um, the uh, Biden-related issues. So first it was John Lausch, the U.S. attorney in the Northern District of Illinois, Chicago, who's a former law partner of mine. And then second, it's uh, it's Robert Herr, who used to be the U.S. attorney in Maryland, um, you know, to be the special counsel. I mean, both of these uh, guys are really, at, at best, even though they were Trump appointees, uh, creatures of the establishment. And John Lausch was the uh, only other holdover from the uh, Trump U.S. attorneys other than uh, the one in Delaware that I was adverting to, who was looking at Hunter Biden. Um, and so, you know, both both of them, I think, you know, they're... Garland, A.G. Garland is looking for someone who can provide, you know, a patina of uh, Republican respectability, as it were, or at least, you know, a little, little bit of protection in that regard, right? He hasn't picked one of the uh, the, the hard gunner uh, Democrats. He's trying to pick someone who looks like a Republican. But I, I don't think that either of them, and I know both of them really are you know, hardcore conservatives. So I don't think the American people should uh, expect that someone who, who you know, really uh, would give, you know, super thorough look at uh, Biden um, in this, you know, document situation are really going to uh, turn over all leaves. Let's put it that way. Yeah, let me put it, let me put it in, in Dobbs speak. They're left-wing hacks, aren't they? Well, I mean, I, I've i had conversations with John Lausch, um, and he and I work closely on some major litigation together, like probably the largest multi-district litigation in U.S. history. Um, and, you know, I had a little bit of interaction with Robert Herr. I mean, they didn't come across as, as left-wing hacks to me, but they also didn't come across to me as uh, enthusiastic Trump supporters. So I remember congratulating John, I think his uh, nomination was announced after mine, um, you know, and I said something like, it'd be great to serve together in the Trump administration. And all I got was kind of like a flat thanks. Like I didn't get anything like, yeah, I'm, you know, looking forward to uh, serving the president in Chicago or something like that. So I, I think both of them, they're just, they're they're very uh, middle of the road, but I guess maybe as to, as to Robert Herr, you know, who now does have the special counsel job, I have more serious concerns because, you know, the, the IG uh, had noted that he was involved in the Steele dossier issues 
Um, and I don't understand how you can appoint someone under the requirement for the special counsel regulations, in particular section 600.3, who uh, they have to have a reputation for impartiality. I mean, I think what happened with the Steele dossier should disqualify anyone from having a reputation for impartiality. I think it should disqualify any person uh, from, uh, from frankly, walking the streets. They should be in jail. The effect of the Steele dossier and the way in which it was uh, utilized uh, was uh, as a bludgeon against a sitting president with the full knowledge on the part of the FBI and the Department of Justice that it was a pack of lies and pure nonsense. Uh, it was an attempt to frame the president of the United States. I'll go. I I know I'm a little more uh, direct than you, uh, but this is they these two have to be disqualified as far as I'm concerned, for the simple reason that Merrick Garland is the attorney general and he appointed them. Uh, Merrick Garland has the has the soul, uh, a dark soul. I'll put it that way. So I'll I'll. Uh... You know, I know we've had these kinds of uh, discussions before, but here, here's what I will say. Um, I think, you know, that that Robert Hur he tried to block the Nunez memo in January mm -hmm. of 2018. And, you know, he claimed there'd be damage to national security uh, from that. But I, I think quite the contrary. The damage to national security was relying on, you know, this MI6 uh, guy, Steele, and Danchenko's lies in the first place, right? And, Absolutely. you know, it, it was all based on this idea of the Russians were trying to influence the election. Even the Washington Post at this point has admitted that the Russian bots, you know, were dropping the bucket. They had like nil impact on the 2016 election. It was always a farce. Um, you know, during this this same. Well, it was. You know, it was. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jeff, but it was a farce. But it was a farce perpetrated as a fraud on the American people, and, and that's quite a different. Uh, I, I think quite a different uh, statement. Uh, would you agree with that? I would agree that it was a, a farce that was uh, perpetrated on the American people and, and did them really wrong and basically was an attempt to deny President Trump his first term yeah. um, by, by always keeping, you know, this this cloud over his head of somehow he was, you know, a Russian asset, which was ridiculous from the outset. Anyone who had, you know, the modicum of a brain would have known that that was ridiculous, that it was President Trump who was pushing to, uh, you know, restore America, wanted to uh, face off against our biggest adversary, China, you know, wanted to see a return of economic nationalism, wanted to get us out of foreign wars. Uh, and, and so, you know, the allegation that that he was just doing Putin's bidding was always silly. Um, and, you know, we, we even have the fact that during this same era at the Justice Department, right, we have an FBI lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith, who falsified a, a, a FISA affidavit right. to make it look like, you know, Carter Page, you know, was not uh, essentially a source for the CIA when he darn well knew that he was. And he pleaded guilty of that. And, you know, that you got people floating around the, the, the FBI like this. I mean, Kleinsmith had texted you know, vive la resistance in, in response right. to Trump. Um, he said that the crazies have won finally. This is the Tea Party on steroids. I mean, no one who is is sending texts around who's an FBI employee like this, not serving their boss, the commander in chief, the chief executive of the United States should be in office. It's a disgrace. Yeah, Jeff, when it comes to Klein Smith, let's be very, again, very direct. John Durham 
was appointed by Bill Barr to create immunity for Klein Smith, uh, and he did a very good job of it. And so far, he hasn't won a thing. He hasn't uncovered a thing, uh, and there is no resolution in sight. The man is running out the game and while providing cover for the deep state. Am I, what do you think of my conclusion there on that? I mean, you know, if if you follow uh, the good Lord's uh, statement in various gospels that, you know, you tr judge a tree by its fruits, um, you know, it's it's hard to argue with that, right? I mean, right. you know, so Klein Smith did plead guilty um, and I believe he uh, lost his license at least for a time in Michigan, but, you know, he's still up on the DC bar website uh, as in good standing. Um, you know, so, so soon after having pled guilty, you know, meanwhile, for wanting to investigate the election, you know, the D.C. bar is still coming after me. So, you know, that contrast is pretty striking to me, even at a personal level. Um, yeah, as and, it should be. I mean, it should be it should also be disgusting to us all that this is uh, the way in which the Department of Justice, so-called, uh, pursues its ideological enemies, because that is the only explanation. They view every Republican, every conservative as an enemy of the state. When in point of fact, in my view, uh, the deep state and the Marxist Dems are truly the enemy of the enemies of the republic. I, I want to turn, if we may, uh, to to the as we as we conclude here, to where we go from here. We have two special counsels appointed: uh, a former a former president, a current president, and former vice president two quite different cases, two special counsels, an attorney general who is appallingly ideological uh, and uh, unworthy of the office he holds, a president who's impaired. And we now have Adam Schiff uh, talking about the effort to the speculation that uh, that it's he's he's reached the end of his road, according to the Politburo of the Marxist Dem Party. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, I think that uh, people need to continue to put pressure on their uh, on their own representatives to get to the bottom of all of this, Lou, in an honest way, right? I mean, we know that the January 6th committee was a one-sided operation that operated as a star chamber. They're still keeping hundreds and hundreds of depositions locked away, those all need to come out as the, the documents that were provided in the process and the videos, and especially the 14,000 hours of uh, security footage around the Capitol on January 6th, all that needs to come out. And I think, you know, uh, your listeners need to keep pressing for that. I think that, uh, you know, for anyone who's listening to you, who's still listening to, you know, CNN and uh, the, um, and MSNBC, et cetera, or really taking the Times and the Washington Post seriously, you know, they need to broaden their uh, their media input um, and and stop listening to the to the fake media. And then, you know, we we have to watch carefully what emerges from the oversight process and the oversight committee, the Judiciary Committee, and the uh, the Judiciary Subcommittee, the Church Style Committee. I think those are going to be those are going to be vital and. Uh, we can't let up on that on that pressure. Jeff, thanks for being with us. Uh, I, I'm going to, uh, if you have a concluding thought, we always give you the last word. Uh, 
why don't you give us your concluding thoughts about the where we are now and uh, uh, and uh, let me say it's always great to have you with us and thanks for joining us. Well, Lou, I always enjoy uh, uh, talking with you about these issues. You're very, uh, you know, studied on all of the latest developments. I think that this uh, story about the Biden documents is far from over. I think we're going to continue to see more and more come out about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested as well in whether this is something that's uh, potentially designed to nudge Smith since his jurisdiction is broader uh, than uh, hers. Hers is just looking at document issues for Biden, but Smith has both document issues for Trump and the January 6th related, you know, uh, narrative issues. And um, he's opened a lot of grand jury uh, investigations by all accounts. Um, so this may be also part of a kind of sophisticated effort to put uh, pressure on him to come up with some way to uh, bring an indictment against Trump for uh, or in some kind of connection to January 6th. So this is a very interesting time. I mean, I think it's a, a time that for some reasons for optimism because the House changed hands and it's shown that it wants to be aggressive in doing investigations and oversight. But by the same token, uh, the the Biden Justice Department uh, and these special counsels are still in place. Uh, and, you know, it, it just seems as if there's an endless fascination with and obsession with President Trump. I mean, I, I've never seen a past president in U.S. history. And, you know, uh, uh, you've seen more than I have, Lou, who, who they just it's like he is the president or he he's in the news every day in the mainstream media. They, they just have some visceral reaction to him, some hatred to him that is inexplicable and some deep psychological problem. He, I, I can solve part of that mystery. Donald Trump is, first of all, extraordinary, extraordinarily uh, <laughs> attractive to the left because they can fundraise off of him and all the lies and myths that they built around him all day long. And the national corporate media it makes lots of money on their circulation, their distribution, uh, and their audience size, uh, and their ratings by focusing on Donald Trump. It is because they fear him. He is such a challenge to the status quo uh, and to the swamp system in Washington, D.C., that uh, what has grown up here is an industry and in, it is a, a, an, a an attempted assassination every day uh, to a, of a former president that we see in the in the national media and on the part of the Marxist Dems. That's my my thought since you raised it. Uh, I'm going to give you, if we may, your reaction and we'll call it a show. Sounds good, uh, Lou. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's because they fear him. Uh, and that's because he was incredibly effective, even though they had this whole Russiagate scam running in an attempt to deny him the first term uh, in office. He was still, you know, far more effective than a, uh, a Bush 43 or a Bush 41. And it, it terrifies the heck of them, heck out of them of 
What if he really got a fair shot and he didn't have to fight all this stuff all the time? What could he accomplish in a second term? And so that's why I think they're bound and determined to try to destroy him and his legacy. And I think we're going to get a chance to to find out in 2024. Uh, I personally, I, I believe it's uh, it, it is it, it's written in the fates. Uh, we'll see. Thank you very much, Jeff Clark. Thanks so much. Great American. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Lou. Great American Jeffrey Clark with the Center for Renewing America. And by the way, congratulations to the center. The center originated the idea of creating a House committee to investigate the weaponization of the Department of Justice, the FBI, and intel community. And Speaker McCarthy liked the idea. That investigation is now underway. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Here tomorrow, our guest is attorney Kevin Evans. He's looking into Department of Justice records that pertain to gifts and payoffs to the Biden family. He'll have the latest for us here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you and God bless America.